Acts 18, verse 24. Now a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man, and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he, had desired, when he desired to cross to Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. For he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. So let's uh, pray. So Lord God, as we come to your word, we pray that you would help us by your spirit. I ask for your help as I share these things, Lord, and preach the things that you've laid on my heart. And I pray that you'd give us a real um, ability to receive and to hear and then to respond. So continue with us, we pray, and bless us through your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to start off by asking a question just to find out something uh, this morning. It's a question I've asked as I've been around some of the smaller groups talking about one-to-one. I want to know how, how many of you have ever met up with another person, another Christian or non-Christian, and you've particularly read the Bible together and then oh, and prayed with each other? Just simple, it, it, it might be uh, when you were younger as a Christian, a more mature Christian met you, or it may be um, just as for fellowship, but you've met up with somebody and you've read the script. Not, I'm not, yes, not thinking of husband and wife or anything like that, but just, just another person. Can, you just, can I just say, just put your hands up if you've ever done that. Just keep your hands up, let me just have a given idea. Okay, right, that's, that's quite a lot, is that? It's about probably half of the congregation. So, some here as well. I'll, I'll just say as well, you might have a little bit of um, translation going on in different parts of the, of the room, if there's a little, because there's obviously some Farsi speakers and Korean speakers and different things, so that might be a little bit of the uh, chat if, the, if it goes on. When I was um, a younger Christian, um, I was at university, and somebody took an interest in me, another Christian, more mature Christian. In fact, they weren't much older than me, but they'd been a Christian a bit longer. And they met with me and had a quiet time with me. They, they met up with me to read the Bible and to pray together. And they did that on a, a number of occasions. And I remember that was absolutely foundational for me. So crucial. One, somebody took an interest in me as a young Christian. Two, it showed me actually what a quiet time was like and how to pray out aloud and, and I know some Christians that still uh, might have been a Christian a long time, but never really learned or felt confident to pray out aloud. And, and that time helped me to learn those things. And I know that others have found that as well and experienced that. And it's a real blessing. But I'd love to see that 
multiplied throughout the church here at Sunbridge, throughout the mission. Right across the age groups. So to help that happen, I'm proposing that in August, we make August a month of reading the Bible together, one-to-one. Our text for this year, it's in the bulletin. I haven't got a bulletin, but it says something like this. Let us consider one another to encourage or to, to, to provoke unto love and to good works, encouraging one another. And I don't think there's any better way to encourage each other than to read the Bible together. And so I want to make August, which starts fairly soon, a month of encouragement by each of us meeting up with one other person on two occasions in August to read the Bible together. I want it to be a way of deepening fellowship. And, and because of that, and I want it to be a way of encouraging each other, so I'd, I'm, I'm suggesting that it's not husband and wife or girlfriend, boyfriend, that's good, that's great if you're reading the Bible and praying together. I'm thinking man to man or woman to woman, meeting with somebody else in the, in the fellowship. And uh, if you do that, you will be blessed. And you'll bless somebody else as well as you do that. So, so the idea is to meet up with someone on two occasions in August with the same person each time and read passages of the Bible. And I've chosen two passages. They're in the bulletin, I hope. Um, I think they come, there's a section under one-to-one. And they're both in Matthew, Matthew 17, two, two short passages, thank you, Matthew 17, 1 to 13, and Matthew 17, 14 to 27. There's, there's nothing particularly significant about those passages. I was just praying about what should we read, and in my quiet time, I came to Matthew 17, and I read that, and I thought, those are great passages. There's, there's something there for us about, which is Christ-centered, it's about his person, and about his power, and so... I've chosen those two passages. So we read the same passages uh, together. So the, the idea is this. You, you decide who you meet up with. Unless, you want, unless you're not sure who to ask and then I'm happy to, to pair you up with somebody. You decide when you meet up and how you meet up, where you meet up. In your bulletin as well. You've got quite a library this morning, so you've got this card. And some of you have already received one of these. And this is a, a it's called, a, I've called it just a, an aid to reading the Bible. It's a Bible reading aid. I saw this or something similar in a book that I'm reading and, and I've, I've just adapted it slightly. And I've produced this for when you meet up. It's just to sort of take away the mystery of what you do when you meet up to read the Bible. Do you just read, read the passage and that's it? The idea is to take that and just go through those questions from the passage together. And you discuss it. You could even do some preparation if you want. So the first question to ask of that passage, or even you could use it in any situation where you're reading the Bible, what's the bigger picture What's the bigger picture? What's the context? It's always helpful, isn't it? To, well, I think it's helpful to find how that passage fits in, why it's there, how it fits in with the wider story. What shines from the passage? I, I've, my experience 
is that I think as Christians, we, when we're reading the Bible, this is the, probably the hardest thing that we find, just to actually read the text of the Bible and see what's there. Just observe what's there. What's it saying? Because often we, we get our minds full with different things and you know, our thoughts go off in one way and off in another and often we read into something. What's there? Just what shines out of the passage? Thirdly, what's hard to understand? Any questions? What, 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 what's difficult? And you can chat about that together. There may be nothing. Um, you might, at the end of it, think, well, we don't know, so we'll find out. You can always ask me later on, or I might not know, but I can help. I'll do my best to help. But it's always good to ask questions of a passage the fourth thing is, what speaks to your heart? What actually is God speaking to you about? What's, what, what, does, what really touches you? And, and, and yeah, this is, this is God's word to me from this passage. And then lastly, what do you need to do? How, how does that passage, what you're reading, apply? We're not just to be hearers, only we're to be doers. So what can we take away from that passage? It's always good. To, in fact, that's always good, isn't it, when we're reading the Bible in our quiet times, to have that in our minds because it's, it's there in our hearts, ready to hear what God's saying. We, we, this, is supposed, this book is supposed to impact our lives. It's supposed to change us. And, and so, what's it said to me? How can I apply this to my life? So, how we might look is when you meet up, you, you'll, you might pray, one of you might pray, and then you'd read the passage out loud, or you can read alternate verses, whatever. That might determine where you meet. If you're, you might want to meet in a coffee bar, but as long as you don't mind praying in a coffee bar or reading the Bible in a coffee bar, or it might be at home, or it might be wherever you can choose. You meet up, you read the Bible, read the passage, you chat about it, going through that card, those questions, and then you pray. And that might take about half an hour or three quarters. No, it doesn't need to take any longer than that. Now I know actually that, doing that, might be quite daunting for some who've never done that before. In fact, I think a lot, probably a lot of people will never have done that in that way before. So don't be put off by that. Just have a go. It's like a trial, if you like. And so it might be a bit difficult. It might, you think, might, might be a bit strained to start with. Don't worry. Don't worry about that. Um, I think, I'm sure, you will be blessed by this. So I've put a sheet out. And some have already filled in the sheet because I've been talking to some of the small groups about it. There's, a, there's one at the back there of the main hall. And there's one in the lounge. If you're going to be part of this, you'd like to do this, can you put your name down on the sheet? And if you want, if you're happy to find your own partner, that's fine. Uh, reading partner, that's okay. But if you'd like me just to pair you up with somebody, there's a, a box just to tick. Um, some have already done that. Um, so, are you up for the challenge? Three. <laughs> Any more than that? Come on. We, we, I, I want, I'd love it for everybody to do this. And I think there's about, I think about, well, I haven't counted it. Probably about 20 so far have already put their names down. Why not all do this? Have a go at this. Be encouraged by this and be an encouragement. And I'd like to, this morning, I'd like to look at an example of this in the, in the New Testament where somebody met up 
with somebody else and read the Bible together. So that's why we read from Acts 18. Let's, let's turn to that. Acts 18. If you've got your Bible, great to look at it. The, some of the verses, or the verses will be up on the screen as well. But. Acts 18. Verse 40, uh, 24 it is. To 28. Yeah. Here you've got a, it's a, it's a great example where people met up one to one. In fact, it was two to one, as we'll, as we'll see in a moment. It's all about a couple called Priscilla and Aquila. Sometimes it's Aquila and Priscilla, and a man called Apollos. What do you know about Apollos? What do we know about Apollos? Verse 24 gives us an insight. Now a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. Okay, there's the text. Let, let me practice. What, 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 what shines out of the text? What do you learn about Apollos? He was a Jew? Any more shout out you can... Yep, he was, he was mighty in the scriptures, an eloquent man from Alexandria. Alexandria is in Egypt, and he was here now, but here he is in Ephesus, which Ephesus is in Asia Minor, which is now Turkey. He was an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures. Eloquent there, in, in, the, in the original Greek, it combines the thought of eloquence and learning. So not only was he very an enabled communicator, and he could articulate things, but he was also a very intelligent, learned man, an educated man. Those two qualities... Communic able to communicate with intelligence, it's, it's, it's a precious thing to have. This man had it in spades. He had it in abundance. He was also mighty in the scriptures. I was thinking about that. What a beautiful statement that is. Are you mighty in the scriptures? The NIV, I think it beats the NIV, actually, the, the translation of the NIV. The NIV says... He had a thorough knowledge of the scriptures, which is great. It just, I don't think it just has the same ring about it as mighty in the scriptures. Mighty literally means powerful. And it's from which we get the word dynamite. John MacArthur says of Apollos, when it came to the scriptures, he was an exploding kind of person. Dramatic and dynamic. So here's this man, Apollos, gifted, very able, mighty in the scriptures, a powerful preacher and teacher of the word of God. And uh, he actually be eventually became a co-worker of um, Apollos, of, of, of Paul. And uh, we also find him in 1 Corinthians 3. I'm going to suggest, I think the fan's been turned off. I think, it, is it? Can we put it back on? I think it might be a good idea. because it's getting, I, I can just see fans flapping all over the place. So, and they're not getting to me, so we need to... Okay. So let, let's um, turn to 1 Corinthians 3. 
1 Corinthians 3. This is where, where we find something else about Apollos. This is sometime later than Acts 18. Okay, so this is down the line later on in Apollos' life. And the Apostle Paul writes about Apollos to the Corinthian church, verse 6. This is what Paul says. I, Paul, planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. In other words, Paul's saying this. Paul says, I, I planted the church. I preached the gospel. I shared the gospel. People became Christians. Many came to Christ. But then it was Apollos who came and nurtured the church. He taught you. He pastored you. He helped you to grow. And through his ministry and my ministry, by God's grace, there was growth. And God brought that growth. So, so Apollos, he was a mighty man of God. And he was a co-worker with the Apostle Paul. But some while before that, going back to Acts 18, when Apollos was still in Ephesus, he was still young in the faith. He was showing lots of promise, but he needed a lot of help. Look at verse, Acts 18, verse 25. This man, Apollos, had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. You get that? Here's Apollos. He's enthusiastic. He's got a certain knowledge of his faith he's sharing with others very eloquently but he only knew the baptism of John now it's likely it's likely very likely that this man Apollos by this time he knew the Lord he was a real believer and he was teaching faith in Jesus that Jesus was the Messiah but it's likely he didn't understand the full significance of Christ's death and resurrection and he didn't really understand the, the, the power of the Spirit and the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit so he was a very gifted man capable he was a new believer and he had lots to learn if you like he had lots of heat but little light in his teaching so here's a question what was it that made the difference between Apollos in Ephesus in Acts 18 and Apollos in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 3. So what made that difference? The answer is a married couple called Aquila, that was the husband, and Priscilla, the wife. Aquila and Priscilla, look at verse 8, chapter 18, yeah, verse 1. Just, I'll just read verse 1. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. In verse 2, and he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy 
with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome and he came to them. So they'd, just, they'd come from Rome. Rome. The church at Rome had only been planted recently. It wasn't an old church. So likely Aquila and Priscilla were young believers. They were young Christians. They weren't down the years, down the ages. You know, they, it wasn't like so, some of us have been Christians 20, 30, 40, 50 years. They were young, relatively young believers. But they were more mature than Apollos in the faith. And what they did, they heard him preach. And then after he preached, they invited him home for a meal. And they said, right, Apollos, have you enjoyed your meal? Mm, thank you. Right, we've got one or two things to share with you. And they began to explain the Christian faith. They would have turned to the scriptures. They would have read the scriptures together. They would have prayed together. They shared something. They shared a bit of their life with him. They patiently helped him to understand about his faith. And out of that, then Apollos went and he grew and became the mature Christian. Would he have become the man of God that he was, that he became without Priscilla and Aquila? I don't think so. God used them. And the result of that, verses 27, 28. And when Apollos desired to cross to Achaia, the brethren wrote, I think that would include Aquila and Priscilla, exhorting the disciples there in Achaia to receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace, for he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. Roger Carswell um, he's a well-known preacher to us. He's, uh, in fact, I would think he's probably one of the most used of God evangelists in, in this country. And many of us know him. What you might not know about Roger is the influence that a man called Werner Wright had on him. Now, Werner Wright was a professor in rheumatology. And he was in Leeds, based in Leeds, very well respected in his field. But he was a lovely Christian, beautiful Christian. He came here to preach often. Oh, sometimes did, uh, did Werner Wright. He's now with the Lord. Um, but he had an enormous impact on Roger Carswell when Roger was young. This is what Roger says of Werner Wright. Werner taught me the most basic principles after finding me as a new, young, unpredictable but enthusiastic Christian. I don't know that I knew a busier man than Werner, but I never felt I was intruding on him, though I'm sure I was. Werner would take me home after meetings and chat about the things of the Lord. Before leaving the car, he would ask me to pray. He invited me for meals in his home and to accompany him when he was preaching. Werner's car was in many ways my Bible college. And Werner mentored many people like me. Would, would Roger Carswell have been the man that we know him to be, godly used, used of God, if Werner hadn't taken him, cared for him, looked after him, prayed for him? I don't think so. Roger Carswell goes on to say, My plea is for action, so that across the nation, maturer believers 
will take on board the God-given responsibility to have unforgettable input into the lives of younger Christians. This is something all of us can be involved in. I'm convinced that there are many tender believers who long to have a role model and information and teaching on which to build their lives. Now that, that is so important. I, I want to repeat that part of that. He said, my pleas for action so that across the nation, maturer believers. Friends, if you've been a Christian any length of time, you are maturer than other Christians, some other Christians. You are able to help other younger Christians than yourself, younger in the faith. My plea is for action so that across the nation, maturer believers will take on board the God-given responsibility to have unforgettable input into the lives of younger Christians. Can I ask, is, is that something that you are doing? Or is that something that you're aspiring to, to do that? He says, this is something all of us can be involved in. I'm convinced that there are many tender believers who long to have a role model and information and teaching on which to build their lives. I, I do believe, actually, that this is what God wants for all in his, in his church. Just let me quickly turn to two scriptures. 2 Timothy 2, verse 2. 2 Timothy 2, verse 2. When I read this, I'm going to ask you a question. How many generations are mentioned in this verse. 2 Tim 2 verse 2. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Okay, simple. How many generations? The things that you have heard of me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Any guesses? One, two, three. Any advance on three? Four. Any advance on four? Six. No. <laughs> Trick question. There's four. The things that you, Timothy, have heard from me. So Paul saying, I'm the first generation. Timothy heard from me, two. Commit to faithful men, three, who will be able to teach others also, four. That, that's the principle in the Christian church of how to be imparting things to others and helping others grow in their faith. And Hebrews 5 verse 12 Hebrews 5 verse 12 shows that this actually is what God wants. It's that first phrase. He says, Paul, the writer rather to the Hebrews says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers. And he's speaking to all those he's writing to. And so this includes you and me. For by, the time, by this time, you and I, we ought to be teachers. Yet you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. See, the principle there is God wants us all to be teachers. That's, that's, that's God's plan. He wants us to be passing on what we've learned. How do we do that? Well, it can involve just reading the Bible with someone. 
and praying with them. Let me just read a quick, few, a few examples of this. This is a, I'm, I'm, I've got various books on this, but this is from a book by Sophie Peace called One to One. And this is a testimony of one woman. She said, I became a Christian in 1998. Within a month, I had been asked whether I wanted to read the Bible one to one with a woman a couple of years older than me at church. And looking back, this was one of the best things that could have happened to me. However, at the time, I was far from keen to study the Bible one-to-one with someone, especially with a stranger. Reluctantly, though, I agreed. It felt quite odd during the first few sessions to talk about my life and the Bible with her, but we quickly became close friends, and I began to value her as a friend and trust her advice and opinion. She encouraged me to read the Bible for myself, to start talking to God regularly in prayer, and gently correct my mistakes. She says, I had come from a totally non-Christian family, and as such had no female Christian role model. Life was very hard for me that year. I was going out with a non-Christian boyfriend, and found it tough going as the Spirit tugged me in one direction, while my sinful nature took me in another. My grandmother died, and my parents hated the fact that I had become a Christian. And a group of people in my halls of residence were giving me a hard time for my newfound faith. In the midst of the mess, she, this woman, was emotionally and prayerfully committed to me. And always ready to listen. Here's a, uh, a testimony of a young mother. Um, how she managed to fit this in, one-to-one Bible reading with um, someone, someone else. She says, I found that while having one child, I was able to meet up with, the, with people to read the Bible and pray, and loved being able to do so. We would arrange to meet at my house when my daughter was meant to be sleeping, although she did join us sometimes and made noisy contributions. This did mean I was unable to use that time for getting other jobs done or a quick snooze, but it helped enormously to keep God's perspective on life during what was a wonderful, scary and stressful year. And then just one other short uh, testimony, a professional person. When I was working in London, I was keen to meet up with someone to read the Bible and pray before work. The problem was we couldn't find anywhere to meet, so we ended up doing Bible studies in Starbucks. It wasn't ideal, as it could be crowded, and there was music playing. But we decided it was better than not meeting up at all. We soon got used to shutting out the noise and not worrying about what people were thinking about as we had our Bibles open. A great lesson in being an unashamed Christian. They, they are modern day Aquilas and Priscillas. Let me close by saying this. If there's one prayer I would have answered concerning discipleship here at the mission it would be that we would have a group of Aquilas and Priscillas and I know that we already have some praise the Lord for that but I would in fact an even bigger prayer would be that we were all Aquilas and Priscillas so here's my challenge could you become a modern day Aquila if you're, a, if you're a man, I'll try to work out which was which. Or a Priscilla, 
if you're a woman. I'm not asking you to be an Apollos because there are not many Apollos in any generation of Christians. But there are meant to be lots of Aquilas and Priscillas. And really, that's what this reading one-to-one is about. You see, what do we do? How do I disciple somebody? I don't know. Well, actually, it just starts by reading the Bible together. And so this is like a practice. Reading a Bible with somebody we're comfortable with and we can talk to and that we know well. It's like, it's sort of a simple, gentle step to help us get to know what it means to be a discipler reading one-to-one. And that's one of the reasons why I, I, I produce that Bible reading aid, sort of to take the mystery out of what we do, what, what's involved. So can I encourage you to make August a month of encouragement? It's a wonderful opportunity to take a small step, but an important step, to becoming a Priscilla or an Aquila. And uh, it's something I think that we can all do. And let's make it our prayer in this church that we would all be disciple makers and learn what that means. Let's pray. I'll invite the band up. Yeah, thank you. Lord, I thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for examples like this of Apollos, a man who was so capable and yet who needed help. And you used an ordinary couple who were willing just to spend time with him to help him grow and to read the Bible together. And so, Lord, I pray for each of us that this would really capture our hearts and uh, we would be willing to do this. And, Lord, we'd find this such a blessing. To the end, Lord, that our church would become more and more, well, become fuller of those with the ability to take another believer, maybe a less mature Christian or a newer Christian or somebody who's been on the road a long time but just needs encouragement. Lord, that we would have a group, a large group of people who are willing and able to do that, to be an Aquila, a Priscilla, and to serve you in that way. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that, Lord, this is how you want your church to grow, how you want us to grow. And so help us in this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.